It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Guy Benson. Everything that I didn't necessarily want to be true about this show was true. I completely fell in love with it. And Liz Liz Clayman. It's those first impressions that you get from musicals that formulate your vision of plays and musicals and Broadway. Come together to share their top Top five five Broadway Broadway shows. shows. Here are this week's hosts, Guy and Liz. Welcome to Fox Top 5. I'm Guy Benson, Fox News contributor and host of The Guy Benson Show on Fox News Radio. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Liz Clayman, anchor of the Clayman Countdown on the Fox Business Network and host of Everybody Talks to Liz on the Fox News Podcast Network. So every week here on this podcast, Fox hosts and reporters and personalities, we get together and we share our top five of any given topic. So finally, after a year and a half, curtains will rise on Broadway stages across New York. Actors, stagehands, directors, musicians, they've been out of work with the lights down since March 12th of last year, 2020. But on Tuesday, September 14th, the Great White Way makes its triumphant return. And on that score, Liz and I are going to share with you our top five Broadway shows. Hello, Liz. Good to talk to you. Guy, I am so geeked out about this because I'm a complete Broadway freakazoid. Okay. Well, you might be even more into it in that case than I am, but I'm excited. (laughs) I've got some friends who work on Broadway. They have been chomping at the bit to get back to work. The lifeblood is performing and having these curtains closed for month after month after month has been so demoralizing, but finally that's going to change. Let me just say, though, that this was really hard for me because, Guy, I have seen more than 250 Broadway shows. Why? I know that's insane, right? I actually am a member of the board of the American Theater Wing, which is the organization behind the Tonys. So I am a Tony Award voter. I am required to see every single show. And I've been a member for about nine seasons. So you really gave me a very difficult task. And I'm completely annoyed because as I went through all of my ticket stubs ahead of this fabulous podcast, I had a really difficult time, but I have managed to winnow it down, darling. By the way, I I just want to say perhaps a separate podcast topic for another day. Maybe I have to have you on my show to talk about how you became a Tony voter. That is so cool. Oh, yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. Okay. All right. So stay tuned, perhaps. Absolutely. Happy to do that. Number five. So let's start with your number five favorite Broadway show. Number five. And I can't wait to hear yours as well, Guy. Uh, I had to go with The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. I saw that 2015. It debuted at the Barrymore Theater. And all I can say is that it's about a mystery involving the death of a neighbor's dog and how a boy on the autism spectrum investigates the killing. It tied the record for winning the most Olivier Awards when it debuted in London in 2013, right? It won five Tonys, including for lead actor, this kid, Alex Sharp, who originated the role. Guy, he literally came out of acting school and nailed the job and then won the Tony. It's It was just amazing. It's a play. It's intense. You don't walk out of there, you know, singing tunes, but it's my number five. 
Okay, I have never heard of that play, but <laughs> perhaps I need to write that down and give it a shot. So my number five is also a play, actually. And I have seen far fewer shows than you have, but I've seen a decent number through the years. And I tried to pick specific moments in time that stood out to me as I compiled this list. So number five was a limited engagement in New York called The Audience, starring Helen Mirren as the queen. And she played Queen Elizabeth II through the years. Yes. And the title of the show is based on the weekly audience that the queen or king typically traditionally has with the prime minister. And you saw these and you've seen them if you watch The Crown, you know, these are depicted fairly regularly. But this was sort of a, an opportunity for them and the, the playwright to go through and dramatize an audience with each prime minister that had served during, at that time, the reign of QE2. And there have been subsequent prime ministers since because she's just been on the throne for so long. But she was awesome. The costume changes were really cool because they didn't go in a linear fashion. It was it was all over the place. So the timing jumped around. So they had to sort of adjust for that with her costumes. And they would do these costume changes on stage with the audience watching. It was almost like a little magic trick. It was very cool. The people who played the various prime ministers did a fabulous job. And I went with my father. We had good seats. And I remember at the very end, when they did the curtain call, of course, Helen Mirren came out last and she was stone-faced doing the Queen's wave. And then she broke finally with a huge <laughs> smile. And that was memorable. I saw that. I was blown away. And it's a history lesson right before our eyes. I sort of felt like every kid in America needed to see that to understand the United Kingdom, the British system of the monarchy versus the actual parliament. It was Fascinating. I, I loved that show, Guy. Number four. Okay, I'm, I'm glad that we agree on that one. All right, number four, Liz. Number four, I'm going with the 2016 production I saw of a musical, The Color Purple. Now, this one starred Cynthia Erivo. She played Celie, the lead role that, of course, Whoopi Goldberg made famous in the Steven Spielberg movie. I have never seen a performance like that when it comes to what, this is such a Broadway and Hollywood term, but the arc. The first act was very low energy. She was this shy little, little tiny thing who was abused. And then the second act, she busts a move. Her voice, she went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. She is British. It was really her introduction to Broadway. Of course, she won the Tony. It blew me away. I sat there at the Jacobs Theater and I thought, I am buying tickets for my friends to see this. They have to see this. The Color Purple, number yeah. four for Liz Clayman. For me, this is a personal connection more than loving the show, but gosh, pre-COVID, but not that far pre-COVID. I went to go see the latest revival of Oklahoma on Broadway. Saw it. Fabulous. And a girl that I went to high school with, now a woman, is Ali Stroker, mm. who won the Tony for her role as Ado Annie. And she made history as the first person ever in a wheelchair to win a Tony Award. And our whole town in northern New Jersey was rooting for her. And my sister and my mother went completely crazy when she won it. And 
I have to say, I was expecting sort of what is it, Rodgers and Hammerstein, sort of like old school, oh, sort yeah. of campy musical. And then this new production was shockingly dark and creepy and disturbing. And she was sort of, Ali's character was kind of the the light part of it and sort of mm -hmm. the, the comedic relief. But I was not prepared for what they did with Oklahoma with this most recent iteration, but it was certainly memorable. And I am so thrilled and so proud of my fellow Ridgewood Maroon, Ali Stroker for winning that Tony Award. She was brilliant, and I too found it incredibly dark. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, the theater it's in is very small, very intimate. It's all around, you know, you have an audience entirely circling the whole thing. And they it was bizarre. What was brilliant about <laughs> it is that they never changed the script. The script was the same, and it was just so fascinating to see the prism through which the director looked at this and it was scary and weird and harassing and stalkery. And you realize, oh my gosh, this is Oklahoma turned on its head. Yes. Right? Yep. Just nuts. It was, it and, was and you weren't, and they didn't indicate in the early going that it was going to be that way. It was just sort of pretty straightforward and here's the song and oh, what a beautiful morning. And then things take a turn and they never really come back. And by the end, it's like literally a horror show, uh, which was very creative, definitely creepy and just a, a real triumph for her personally as well. Yeah, and in the intermission, they invite the entire audience to the stage to have to cornbread eat. and chili. Yes, that is a true story. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. All right, number three. Number three. And I went by myself, and I'm so mad I didn't bring my husband. Boys in the Band. Groundbreaking play when it first debuted. It basically unflinchingly honest depiction of gay life in New York City. But this iteration uh, was the 50th anniversary. Producers Ryan Murphy and David Stone brought this you know, it was really a landmark play for the 50th anniversary production. And it was directed by two-time Tony winner, Joe Mantello, all-star cast, Jim Parsons, right? From The Big Bang Theory. Amazing. Zachary Quinto, Matt Bomer, Andrew Rennells. Oh, wow. Of course, was huge, right? Huge. In, what a cast. Yeah, exactly. It was incredible. Robin DeJesus, Brian Hutchinson, Michael Benjamin. It was just unbelievable. Tuck Watkins. I was blown away. It too starts off hilarious, fun, amazing. And then you see the breakdown in the relationships and the difficulty of growing up and being gay in the 80s. It's just unbelievable. And I yeah. loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. The boys in the band. Boys in the band. Okay. My number three is a musical that I went to go see with my godfather. So my grandfather's best friend was a huge theater buff. He would take us to the theater. I didn't really know what to expect, but it was sort of a precursor of a show to come later uh, on my list in that it celebrated the founding of the United States of America. 1776 was so much fun. It was a history lesson. It was serious at times but very funny at other times uh the music is not terribly complex but it's catchy and i ended up absolutely loving it 
And I said, I'm so glad there's a show about our founding. And of course, uh, one would come down the pike a few years later that <laughs> would revolutionize Broadway in a lot of ways. But there is a little homage in that show to 1776, which I saw probably, gosh, as a middle schooler and very much enjoyed it. And there's actually a video or a movie version of it with a pretty decent cast that I think we were forced to watch in civics class. And while some people may have rolled their eyes or found it boring, I didn't. I thought it was charming and great. Can I just say that I thought you were going to say what the Constitution means to me. Did you see that? 2017, no. Heidi Schreck, she wrote it. She grew up in a very kind of weird family and they didn't have a lot of money. And the way she figured she'd be able to pay for college, this is a true story, and she just gets up there and tells it, was by giving a speech when she was a high school student all over to American Legion buildings and audiences and veterans. And she would just show up and read her speech called What the Constitution Means to Me. And it was riveting. That's what I thought you were going to say. Oh, no, that this is much more lighthearted and it's a musical and and <laughs> it's fun. Um, but I should also check that one out as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it was amazing. The countdown continues after this. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Number two. Number two. Number two. You ready for this? My my second gay-themed play, Angels <laughs> in America, but the 2018 version. Of course, this is Tony Kushner's Pulitzer Prize-winning play, debuted on Broadway way back in 1993, won a trillion Tony Awards, two-parter, nine hours. You, you go in thinking, God, I, how am I going to get through this? You don't even see the time passing, don't even feel it. It's a very complex, often sort of metaphorical. And, Wait, it's and nine hours? Nine hours, yeah. I mean, oh four. Oh, my word. Four four and four and a half or something. Plus, you know, you get a couple of hours in between. Uh, very symbolic examination of AIDS in America in the 80s. So the revival I saw had Nathan Lane playing Roy Cohn, unbelievable, and Andrew Garfield play Prior Walter, who is the protagonist who has AIDS. And it's his journey and how he sees visions of this angel and oh my god it was just unbelievable and i i have to say you know time is really valuable you're sitting there thinking do i really have oh my gosh if you get a chance to see it and by the way all the original cast ron liebman uh, marcia gay harden joe mantello and then they had replacements which were f murray abraham cynthia nixon everybody was winning tonys right and left sounds like those are two pretty heavy shows but epic and heavy don't worry i lighten it up a bit coming up okay my number two and it might be cliche and it's very run-of-the-mill but i make no apologies whatsoever the very first broadway show i ever saw and i have since seen it gosh probably three more times three or four total is les mis i love les mis <laughs> i love the story i love the music i love the characters I love the song Javert, the antagonist, sings Stars, where he's swearing that he's going to get, and he really feels like he's on the good side. He right. really believes it. 
and he's he's swearing to God and the stars he's going to get Jean Valjean. That is a beautifully sung song. I also love the huge crescendo at the end of each act, one day more, and then the the big conclusion at the end where everyone hits these these notes and you just get chills. And it's a popular show that comes and goes and will continue to come and go, I think, for decades to come. Uh, but I went and I saw it with my mother and I was hooked. It was my sort of entree into Broadway and becoming a fan. And I have a soft spot for it. And I, it's not just nostalgic either. I think it's good. I genuinely enjoy it. I would see it again. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a classic. And it, it isn't what, I mean, I have to say, your Les Mis was my Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh I saw Jesus Christ Superstar five times. I grew up singing every song on that album. I know (laughs) every word to it. Listen, I grew up singing Hair and Chorus Line and JC Superstar. It's those first impressions that you get from musicals that formulate your vision of plays and musicals and Broadway. And there's nothing like live theater. There really isn't. Agreed. And it's almost back just Mm -hmm. days from now, finally. Number. 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 Number one. Five, four, three. Three. Number one. Okay, drum roll. Number one, Liz Clayman. I hope it is a bit lighter, and it sounds like it might be. Tis. Notice I just said tis. This was very hard because I really wanted to go with Richard III, which was Shakespeare's Globe production on Broadway. Mark Rylance, stunning, won the Tony. I flew my mom out to see it because she is a Royal Academy of Dramatic Art alum, and I just had to have her see it. But I I couldn't go with that. I have to be a little unoriginal here and say Hamilton. Now, I saw Hamilton right as it debuted on Broadway. It debuted actually July of 2015. They did not allow the Tony voters to see it until September because they wanted to work out the kinks. And yes, the the drum roll and the hum was getting louder and louder, and it had already opened at the public theater. And people were fighting to see it. Madonna and Hillary Clinton and everybody. Dick Cheney went to go see it at the public I waited because I had to see it on Broadway. When I saw it, the album had not come out. Okay. I took my husband and my two kids and my daughter and I went absolutely crazy over it. The audience went insane. People were screaming. You know, the line, immigrants, we get the job done. It was unbelievable. People were stopping the show. And it was all new and it was so different. There's nothing like it to see this historical piece of work yet done with people of color and rap music and dancing like you've never seen before. It was so new and so fresh. And my husband and my son were like, but guess what? The minute the album came out, they all were constantly singing it and really wanted to see it again. I was invited back to see it closer to the Tony Awards. And there was a big fight in my house of who would get to see it with me because this time we only got two tickets. Because, you know, you couldn't even touch the tickets. Guy, it was impossible. But um, I took Gabby, my daughter, because she was the original who liked it with me. And we had even better seats 
And all I can say is what Lin-Manuel Miranda has done, teaching an entire generation about the founding of our country and the bravery it took on behalf of George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, Charles Lee, you know, it was just to me, it checked every box and I had to pick it as my number one. Well, me too. (laughs) <laughs> Hamilton is my number one. Uh, and because I, I mentioned my number three experience was 1776. Yes. And it was sort of the, the little, a far inferior overall artistically precursor to Hamilton. There's a little tip of the cap to 1776 embedded in Hamilton at one point where they're talking about the disaster of the Adams administration and all the infighting. And, and Alexander Hamilton at one point says, sit down, John, which is a line from 1776. Yes. And then there's a string of expletives that come right after that, uh, which is not in the original uh, Broadway musical 1776. But I'm like, oh, that's a little wink at people who like 1776. But yes, Hamilton is my number one. And it feels like I'm being unoriginal because you had the same answer. And I'm sure there are some <laughs> people listening and they're just rolling their eyes. But here's the thing about this. I was able to get tickets back when it was the original cast. Mm-hmm. A guy that I knew at Northwestern is one of the musical directors of the show, and he does oh, wow. a lot of the keyboards and everything. So he was extremely kind and helped me get tickets, not free, paid for the tickets. But a, a very dear friend of mine and a longtime colleague of ours at Fox News, uh, Mary Catherine Ham, she had lost her husband at the time recently. And she was a big Broadway fan and a big... Um, fan of Hamilton, the, the historical figure as well. And so I knew that there was this hot show that was hard to get tickets to. I didn't know anything about it, but I used this connection. I got these seats for the two of us and my parents on Valentine's Day. And it was the first Valentine's Day she was going to spend without her husband. So I knew this was going to be tough for her. Aww. So this was sort of a gift to try to bring us some fun and some joy and something different. And it was a matinee. So it was the whole original cast, but Lynn was not performing the matinee. He was going to do the, the evening show. But everyone else was the original cast and, and were superb. But we were at brunch before the show. And I overheard my father and Mary Catherine talking about the show. And I said, hold on. Are you telling me this is a rap show about the life of Alexander Hamilton? They said, yes. I said, that sounds terrible. Right. And I was I was very skeptical. All the buzz almost turned me off. Like, okay, enough of all the swooning. So I'm sitting there with my arms crossed as the show begins. And within within that first number, I was like, it's coming at you so fast and so furious. I had never heard a note of the music. I'm on the edge of my seat trying to cling to every word because you yes. have to really pay attention. And by the end of that first number, Alexander Hamilton is uh, the name of it. I was just like, what am I witnessing? And yes. by the end of my shot, two songs later, I realized I am witnessing something that is unique and completely unbelievable and a total artistic triumph of genius. And I can't, I cannot say enough about it. I've seen it three times. I had the chance to see it in London, which was amazing. Nice. And given, given you know, the, the history there and when the king comes out the first time, he got such oh a long my, ovation. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, king George, people were screaming. And yeah, I was yeah. laughing so hard when he said, I will kill your friends and family. Yes, yes. I do it by love. Yes. Brilliant. Jonathan Groff, 
oh. was who I saw, and I was able Me to too. meet him backstage and get a get a picture with him. And I'm a fan of his anyway. Everything that I didn't necessarily want to be true about this show was true. I completely fell in love with it. I think I've seen it as many, if not more times, than any other show, including Les Mis, uh, including the Disney Plus version. I did, in fact, watch that. Fantastic, and, I thought. And and I know that there are some conservatives who are sort of mad about it because of the whole Mike Pence incident and the, and the cast. And, and my message to conservatives has always been, he stood there, he listened, it was respectful, unlike some other people in the audience apparently that night. We can agree to disagree, but just the civics lesson and the the tribute, the beautiful tribute to the goodness of America and our founders, I think is a great service to an entire generation. And I think that as conservatives personally, speaking on behalf of some conservatives, I think we should celebrate something that so creatively and compellingly celebrates our country and the founding that has been, I think, unfairly maligned by far too many people. And so just take all my money, Lynn. I will come and see the show as long <laughs> as it's on Broadway, as often as I can. Lynn Manuel is an absolute national treasure. And yes, I think a lot of people had the same sort of emotion and feeling you did as you walked into the door. I'm. This can't be as good as everybody says. I'm annoyed. Give me a break. What is this? A rap story for history? And, right. <laughs> you know, the famous line about Hamilton was... It is that good. And people were so hoping that it, how could it be as good as everybody says? And yet that emotion that he was able to pull through, plus the humor. I, I mean, Duffy Diggs is Lafayette and then switching over to Thomas Jefferson. So good. So good. And what I love that Lin-Manuel and the whole crew did was that if you pass that theater on a regular day, this is the Richard Rogers Theater on West 46th Street in, in New York City on Broadway. During the day, so I would go in at around 9 a.m. for my show when, when I prepared to do my 3 p.m. Eastern show on Fox Business. There were lines of high school students and elementary school students. They, for free, would give these shows gratis for these kids so that they could see it. And, I mean, you know, these are public school kids who might never have the chance uh, to see it. And it was so generous and smart of them because it is a history lesson but it speaks with their timber, their ear, with the rap and the current music and the dancing. I mean, all the the costumes are traditional, yep. going back to 1700s. I just thought it was historic, and I, I felt it as I was watching that. I'm so glad you feel the same way. I mean, 100%, and I have to say, the first time was just such a shock and it just hit you right in the face and you couldn't stop. You couldn't take your eyes off it. Having seen it then the next time where you know what to expect, you know what's coming, you've heard the soundtrack, that was a whole different level of fun because you could enjoy and then look at different things and take it all in as opposed to just trying to process the sheer, like the wall of words coming at you constantly. Once those were familiar to you, it was like a different experience altogether. It was like seeing the show with new eyes all over again, and it felt completely new again, which again, that is that is really hard to pull off. We should stop gushing, but you're right. <laughs> it really is that good. Wait, one last thing. We have to say the worst show we ever saw, Guy, and the worst one I ever saw was Escape to Margaritaville. 
Okay, this was at the Marquee Theater. It was the whole Jimmy Buffett jukebox musical. So bad. But you've got to love something in every show. And, and the fact that these actors get out there and do the best they can, I'm so happy Broadway's reopening. The arts contribute billions of dollars to our economy. We need to get them back up and running. This is so much more than just, oh, let's have some fun and go see a show. They represent the best of America, and we have to support them. My worst show, it put me <laughs> on the spot, but that same godfather who took me to 1776, which I really enjoyed, right. he took us to what was a hyped and hot ticket in the early days, Titanic the musical. And it got panned for good reason, because the music wasn't good, they had trouble with the staging, I, it, like one of the pieces of the set sort of broke down while I was there, and it had a massive budget, and it was one of the bigger flops, I believe, uh, at that time mm. in Broadway history. Don't quote me on that, but it was not good. And even my little, whatever, 11-year-old self or however old I was at the time knew. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'd go see that one again. And I didn't <laughs> didn't have the chance because it wasn't around long. That's right. And Margaritaville, a lot of people lost money on, on that if they invested. Uh, it was not a good one. But uh, listen, they get out there, they try. God bless them. And Broadway is back. Guy, this has been so much fun. And by the way, thank you to everybody for listening. Please do us this huge favor. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. We want to know. We know ours aren't perfect, right? So let us know. You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcasts Network. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.